Hi, I'm Elia Einhorn. Welcome to the TalkHouse podcast. Today I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Amy Rose Spiegel, TalkHouse Music's Editor-in-Chief. Like fans the world over here at the TalkHouse, we are absolutely shattered to hear of the untimely passing of the Cranberries' Dolores O'Riordan. To honor this legendary artist, we wanted to share this sweet and funny conversation that Dolores had with Andy Rourke of The Smiths, who was also one of her closest friends and collaborators. TalkHouse wants to send all of our love to Dolores' bandmates in Dark, Andy Rourke, and Ole Koretsky. Here then, in its entirety, is that episode from 2016. I'm Elia Einhorn. Welcome to the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Here at the TalkHouse, we pay our notable musicians for intelligent, unmoderated conversation and release a new talk each week. Regular listeners will have caught episodes like Radiohead's Philip Selway in conversation with the British rapper Ghost Poet, or our recent doubleheader where Brian Wilson spoke to Carly Rae Jepsen and Thundercat caught up with Kamasi Washington at Pitchfork Music Festival. Check out these and all of our past episodes and subscribe to get new ones on Stitcher or iTunes. Now, I need to quickly acknowledge something. I am hugely excited about today's episode. Like, honestly, tied for the most excited I've ever been for one. And that's saying a lot. The second I heard that Andy Rourke and Dolores O'Riordan had formed a new project together, I knew we needed to have them on the podcast. Dolores O'Riordan from the Cranberries, who wrote and sang Linger, Dreams, Zombie, and so many more. Andy Rourke from the Smiths, absolute legends and my all-time favorite band. The bassist on William It Was Really Nothing, How Soon Is Now, Still Ill, and There's a Light That Never Goes Out. Just a few weeks later, I received an invitation to a secret rehearsal space just outside of New York City and found myself listening to these two musical giants rehearse with their new band, Dark, which also features the producer and songwriter Ole Koretsky. I stood there thinking, holy shit, this sounds amazing. After the rehearsal ended, Andy and Dolores sat down for a great chat, which you'll hear shortly. But first, a little background on the Cranberries and the Smiths. And then, in just a minute, we're going to give you the world premiere of a new Dark song. The Smiths were formed in Manchester, England by singer Morrissey and guitarist Johnny Marr in 1982. They soon recruited Mike Joyce on drums and Johnny's old friend and ex-bandmate Andy Rourke on bass. The band's career, though brief, would fundamentally change underground rock and their influence still underpins most of what has been variously called alternative, indie, and DIY music. Their persistent outsider status, high literary references, sexual fluidity, and unique musicianship upended the rock world. When the Smiths split in 1987, Morrissey went solo, and Andy Rourke co-wrote and played on a number of his early songs. Andy also worked with Sinead O'Connor, appearing on her number one record, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got and went on to play with The Pretenders, Ian Brown of The Stone Roses, Peter Hook of Joy Division and New Order, Badly Drawn Boy, and more. Toward the end of the aughts, Andy relocated from Manchester to New York City. He began hosting a show on East Village Radio and befriended Ole Koretsky, who also had a show on the station. The two bonded over a mutual love of Bowie's LP Low and went on to form an electronic band called Jetlag, built around Ole's songs. They changed their name to Dark, and knew they had to bring someone else to the project to perfectly bring the sound together. 
That's where Dolores came in. You'll hear about that in the talk. A couple of years after the Smiths broke up across the Irish Sea in Limerick, the Cranberries formed in 1989. They were massive Smiths fans. Dolores had a poster of the band on her bedroom wall as a teenager and ended up hiring not only the Smiths' label owner as their manager, but also their engineer and producer Stephen Street to take the reins for the Cranberries' 1993 debut LP, Everybody Else Is Doing It, So Why Can't We? With Linger and Dreams released as album singles, the band were off, and the rest, concerts all over the world and 40 million records sold, is pop history. The Cranberries went on hiatus in 2004, and Dolores released a pair of solo albums. They reformed at the end of the decade and have been touring intermittently since. When Andy and Dolores sat down for this talk a few months ago, they were meant to be leaving soon for a brief run of dates with Dark. The album release and tour were subsequently pushed back, but the band's debut LP, Science Agrees, comes out this Friday, September 9th. Here then is the world debut of Dark's song, High Fashion, followed by Andy Rourke and Dolores O'Riordan in conversation for the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Enjoy.
So can I open the discussion? How we met was uh, my manager was meeting your manager for lunch or something. Yeah, it, or, yeah, Melissa, my manager, and, uh, and your, Danny, Danny at the time, yeah. Goldberg, they were meeting up for and, lunch um, and Danny mentioned it to Melissa, I think. You were looking for something different. And, yeah, yeah, and we were looking to kind of enhance ours. And I think I just signed a deal with BMG and uh, so they would... I think Melissa was trying to get me kind of productive. Yes. Yeah. But it's get nice. Get off the sofa. Music. Back to the music, because you do a lot of DJing, don't you, Sam? I do, yeah. I mean, a lot less than, than I used to. I've got some coming up in a couple of weeks in LA, which so, you're familiar with. You like LA, don't you? I do like LA. Got a little pad there. It's too hot for me. But it's lovely in the winter, because it's oh, consistently course. sunny. Mm. It's, yeah. it's cold here in the winter in New York, and then it rains in Ireland all the time. Yeah, it's like Manchester. Yeah, that's need, why Ireland. You need so your willies. They like the golfers like it, the happy golfers. They like Ireland. Yeah. Nice grass. Very green. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a question for you. Oh, God. Here we go. How old were you when you started playing the bass guitar? Um, ooh. Well, I started playing the guitar when I was about seven or eight. Uh, the bass, I would say I was 12. And so tell me, why did you play the guitar? Because it's big and clunky and awkward to carry around. Why not the flute or something handy that you put in your school bag? I'd been through all kinds of musical instruments by the time I got to to that point. Yeah, every did Christmas you? it was like a, a, a saxophone, a trumpet, a keyboard. And you're you're one of four boys. Did your brothers play as well? Um, my The second oldest one, so the... The one above me, he, and he kind of picked up the guitar after me and then the bass after me. He was, I was supposed to be copying him. He was copying me. Well, see, I see. I, uh, you were the ringleader. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what age you when you joined the Smiths then? Well, at 17, I think. Oh, you're very young, cheekest. Yeah. Were you still in school? Over in a flash. No, I quit school early. Did you? I left school when I was 15. Oh, look at you. Um, yeah, I wasn't spending much time in there. and um, They wouldn't put me in for my exams because they said I'd be a waste of money because I wasn't familiar with the curriculum. So I just said, OK, then. Oh, yeah, so you got out Bye. nice and handy. Yeah. Was it a boys' Catholic school? Yeah. In Manchester? Yeah, I used to get, you know, whipped on a daily basis and stuff like that. To get the ruler across the fingers? Oh, worse than that. It's like... A, a three-pronged leather thing on, on the arse. Yeah. So with this project then, when did you start working on it with Ole? Ooh, I would have to say it was five years ago, something like that. Seven years. Seven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Getting the tips there from the side. Well, the time um, flies. We, we kind of hit a plateau. Uh, yeah. we, we weren't really sure what to do with it. And we were looking for some extra sparkle, some extra magic. And thankfully you came along. 
And, That's right, and, yeah. And I did that. Yes, and hopefully we'll make some nice history with this project. Like, I'm really enjoying it because it's like nothing I've ever done before. It's very experimental. Yeah, and like a song like The Moon is Beautiful, I remember actually being in a boat up north in Ontario and just looking up the moon and how the moon affects you and how, you know, I, I remember I was quite lonely because I was isolated at the time and I wrote my parts, but I just loved it because it's so ethereal. Yeah. Really and you played that piano. I did, yeah. It's lovely. I was a bit kind of David Bowie-inspired um, from like Ziggy Stardust or something. That's so nice, yeah. And I think as well the structure is so unpredictable. I love the structures in these songs because they're not like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. Mm. They're all yeah. unpredictable. Like it's that. not like anything I've really worked on before, which is why it's of interest to me, yeah. 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 No, it's, it's and the songs cool. are good fun to play as well. Yeah, I like Watch Out I'm Bleeding as well. That one jumped out at me at the start, you know. Yeah. So it's then, a catchy tune. Yeah, and of course I was all excited to work with you because I was such a big Smiths fan and all the Cranberries were Smiths fans. Noel used to love Johnny Marr and like... Uh, oh, no one used to like me. <laughs> well, I, I sure did. I'm mad about you. Go on, sure. <laughs> you saw the poster, didn't you? I did. I had a poster on the wall yeah. of, of your band like when I was a teenager. <laughs> and... Uh, Marcy, but you were the eye candy, though. You could have been in a boy band. I know, that's what I always said. Yeah, with your blonde, mm. spiky hair. Nobody would ever listen. Oh. I have to get the scissors to you yet, though. Yeah? And the highlights and get it spiked again. <laughs> I did, actually. New Year's Eve. <laughs> Do you remember not last New Year's Eve, the previous one? I did your hair you in did, the, that yeah. restaurant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bit of wine involved, of course. But <laughs> nice, nice buffet. Yeah. Have you any questions for me? Um, What's your favourite colour? What are you doing after? What are you doing later? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, are you looking forward to doing the Cranberries stuff, like the reunion? Yeah, stuff? that that'll be fun. I have to get kind of fit for it. But like the Cranberries is easier because like you got the crowd participation. They always sing a lot, mm. and that makes it a lot easier. With this, it's like uh, nobody has the music, so like it'll all be down to the performance. But I'm just glad that I'm not like at the centre of the stage, Ole is, so I can just be like a backing singer. It's kind of like a pipe dream, you know, not, not to be the lead singer, because the lead singer is a lot of, uh, it's a lot of pressure, you know, and you're yeah. like the centre of the stage and the focus and all. But it's nice to be on the sidelines a little bit now, you know, kind of hiding in the shadows. Um, but it's like chalk and cheese compared to the cranberries. Yeah. And you're doing all the festivals and stuff. Yeah, it's all festivals and um, there's one thing in Poland then it's a big one so it should be a lot it'll be big stages yeah. but it'll be weird going from like 300 seaters to the 20,000 seater in Poland it'll be like oh god yeah, I just want to have arses and seats anyway you know mm. bottoms and chairs is what we want yeah <laughs> if there are any chairs at these venues we'll oh yeah. yeah probably not it's kind of handy when there's no chairs actually because people stand up it's, yeah. it's rough when they sit down I remember doing um, gigs in um, Las Vegas and it was really hard. Everybody just sat down and they were there. I think it was free. Like, you know, if you won the uh, the gambling game, you got a free ticket to the gig. So nobody was interested in us, you know. It was really hard. But that's that's life, you know, when you choose to be in a band. You get yeah. your good days and your bad days. Like I remember I did, like with the Smiths, we did a few very, very early festivals. And the audience are there and they don't have a clue who you are. You know, I think we had one rep, we had one single out at the time and then... We were doing a festival in Finland and nobody had a clue oh who God. we were, you know, we were 
virtually throwing stuff at us. Yeah, I remember opening up for the stones and somebody threw an apple at me, got me like on the head and it was a bite taken out of it. If it to was make a it cranberry, worse. it would have been okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. Yeah, if it was a cranberry, it would have been all right, but it was an apple, yeah. And uh, Morrissey once got hit by a pack of, an eight pack of sausages. With did me, he? His murder written on should have brought them home and fried them. <laughs> <laughs> no, he walked off the stage. He wasn't impressed. Did he? Mm. Did he come back on? Yeah, I don't think he did, no. He had a hissy fit. <laughs> I wonder what somebody was doing with a packet of sausages in their bag. I don't think it was, a, I think it was a, uh, it was a festival and I don't think there were Smiths fans or Morrissey fans. It was did it as a prank. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, those festivals can be kind of unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. You get the lovers and the haters. Yeah. You know, which we'll probably get with this record, actually. So in all, I think that there, there's 10 tracks on the record, so... Do you have a favourite? Um, you've stolen my favourite too already, but... Um, the Moon. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I like Loose and the News. Yeah, so. it's kind of dark. I like them all. They, they, they feel like my babies. Underwater, it's very ethereal as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's sounding great live. We've got... A, we've put a great band together, I think, in a short space of time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's all sounding great, isn't it's it? It's coming together now, yeah. It's, hmm. it's kind of getting there, definitely. And we still have like a week of rehearsals. I even in stood Ireland. up today. You even stood up today, <laughs> I know. I was thinking, God, <laughs> it's like Lazarus coming out the two men stood up. I'm glad we're sitting down doing this. I was, I was getting tired standing up for but an hour. But it's nice when you get to the point where you don't need your further sheets and you don't need notes and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Got lots of people coming on, especially the Italy gigs. You have, oh yeah, because your wife's Italian. Yeah, she got, got the Italianos coming in Brescia, which is, I think it's about a forty-minute drive from, from Milan. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Milan, you could Half do some credit card damage there, couldn't you? The shopping is oh, really God, good. Yeah. Might do a spot of shopping. Yeah. And if we uh, get time. Yes. And London should be nice. Not been there for a while. Oh yeah, London is always fun, isn't it? I think my dad even threatened to come to that one. Oh, yeah, the mammies and daddies are yeah. coming out. Yeah, I think be fun. I know Ole's mum's flying into one, and uh, my mum wants to come to one. She might come to Poland for oh. the berries one. But, uh, yeah, when your parents come out, it's always like, I don't want to make any mistakes now. Sure. Mammy's looking. I'm sure there'll be some family at the Limerick one. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I've got about, oh, God, 70 nieces and nephews and grandnieces yeah. and grandnephews. The and clan. The clan. Keep expanding, like typically Irish. Yeah, so I think those the first two gigs are going to be a bit crazy. Yes, and then all the Irish are claiming you because everybody's like Andy O'Rourke. Oh yes, all that. That was a few couple of centuries ago. There was an O there. I got dropped. They took it away. They did. I got D-O'd. And I'm not, you know, blowing smoke, but I was intrigued by your your voice and and the lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah. 
And, um, Thanks, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Give me that, that fiver later. Um, but yeah, and I took an interest in it also. You know, yeah, I was curious to see what Stephen Street was up to. Yeah. Stephen worked with the Smiths, and when we started out, we made our first album and it kind of went down the toilet. There's a long story there, long, and it might make you yawn if I go into it. But uh, we ended up with Stephen anyway, make a long story start. I mean, a long story short. And uh, Stephen was really nice and he worked really well with the Cranberries. But like one of the reasons was because he'd worked with the Smiths and we were all Smiths fans. And, um, you know, I have a really good friendship with him. I, You know, I see him every few years and, you know, we just uh, go for dinner or something like that. He's he's a nice guy. He's very mellow. He's easy enough to get along with, isn't he? He is. And, you know, I think that's the reason that we started to work with him initially. I think, God, I can't remember. I think it was, I don't know which Smith single. William, it was really nothing, I think, or something, one of those. And um, we had to cancel a studio session somewhere. And so we booked into Island Records studio and at that time Stephen I think he was only about 19 or 20 something like that, and he'd, he'd just been appointed the in-house engineer and um, so we said that we wanted to produce the record ourselves but we wanted we needed the in-house engineer and yes yeah, so that's how we, how we met him and he was very affable very helpful very professional and um, and so when it came to uh, doing the the next LP, he was our first choice, and we worked with him on two or three records. He's a, yeah, he's a sweetheart. Yeah, a very talented one. When the chemistry is right, chemistry is right. Like, yeah, it's important to try and find somebody that you've got a chemistry with, isn't it? Yeah, he knows when to have an opinion and when to keep his mouth shut, which is important. Yeah, when you're in a confined space. Yes. And I think, like, you know, his production really worked with us at the time. You know, yeah. we were like a baby band. Yeah, he works really hard at stuff. It's good. Glad you like the cranberries because uh, I did. Yeah. I got this letter from this fella last week, and he said, "I never liked the cranberries, but I like you." And he said, "If you're looking for a boyfriend, I'll take you out." And he mentioned <laughs> that he was on the dole. If I didn't mind, <laughs> seriously. <I got. laughs> but you know the way some people you could work with them in life, but they yeah. might not have liked the cranberries. And I, I don't really mind. I'm not precious about it. People say every day, "Oh, I don't like the cranberries," and I just go, "Okay, that's fine," you know. Not everybody likes everything. And I think once I you know. kind of get to that point in your life where you realise that not everybody's going to like what you do, you're kind of over it then. Exactly. You know? Then and you can just relax. Yeah, on. yeah, you're like... And so that's the good thing about this project is like, yeah, I, I don't really mind whether people like it or not. No I'm pressure. doing this because it's fun for me. I'm enjoying yeah. it and it's an experiment. And yeah. so far, so good. It's totally new-like. Yeah. It's fresh. The excitement of it all, like, you know, the way you've been wondering, like, will they catch on or go down the toilet or whatever, you know? But yeah. either way, it's just, it's a bit unpredictable. Mm. 
like we don't really have any great expectations, you know. We're just really taking one day at a time and uh, rehearsals are fun. We're just enjoying the process step by step, day by day. And we don't have any great expectations. And that way you can't really be left down, you know. Just looking forward to getting it out there and um, hopefully people will like it. But like we said, if they don't, then it's no big loss. Yeah. <laughs> I think that like the fans, Cranberries fans or Smiths fans, they're going to have, there's going to be like, I've already seen some of what they say on the internet. I mean, there's going to be a variety of reactions mm -hmm. and it's not like the Cranberries and it's not like the Smiths. It's very different. But yeah. the whole point is and to do something different. I think a lot of people different. are expecting it to sound like the Smiths and the Cranberries. Yeah, and it doesn't. No, so, it's fine with me. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think it's more important to challenge yourself and try different things, you know, for yourself. And um, we definitely did that here, you know, it's it's definitely an experimental project. I I was uh, up north in Ontario when this project began and um, Ole and Andy would send me files of music that they were collaborating on. And I didn't really have any instructions or anything like that. I just kind of, I went with my gut feeling and where there was like, um, space I would just put parts into those spaces you know um just lyrics and melodies and then with other tracks like Watch Out and Bleeding I just actually sang what Ole was singing so in some I was writing lyrics and in others I was just singing along with Ole's lyrics mm. and um I would just send them back to the two boys then down in New York and um they'd just say you know that was great do more or you know they just give me direction that way and then we we came over to Canada to kind of finalise the, vo the vocals. And yeah. We did it all over the place, didn't we? We did some in LA, we did some uh, electric in lady York, in yeah. New York. And where else? It was one other location, I think. But um, like the, the creating the project has was really, was really fun and exciting and unpredictable because we were in different places and we were just sending material over and back, you know. Um, and now working it out live is, is good fun, you know? Yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's it's evolved since those emails. Now we're at this point and then we're going to take it on tour. So, and then, the, you know, the record's going to come out. So, yes, yeah, exciting times. Exciting times ahead yeah. of us. Yeah. And soon we'll be living out of suitcases again. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that, but, <laughs> I, you know. I'm a professional, I shall rise above it. Part of it all, isn't it? Yeah. Don't forget your in-ears and your bass. That's it. Mm -hmm. The microphone and the in-ears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're right there, yeah. You can't set out to please your fans or, you know, in both camps, yeah, you have to do it for yourself. And Just follow your gut instinct. Yeah. And some people will like it, some people will hate it. You can't please everybody. This is it. Tis now you said it. You nailed a feckin' nail down the head by. <laughs> well, Mr. O'Rourke, thank you very much. It was lovely well, talking been, to you. When you're a, a gent, you're a true gent. And uh, hopefully see you soon. Yes. Yeah. Hit the road. Be ready for us. We're coming. Hi, I'm Elia Einhorn, and you've been listening to Andy Rourke and Dolores O'Riordan on the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Subscribe to TalkHouse Music and TalkHouse Film Podcasts on Stitcher or iTunes. The TalkHouse will be continuing our partnership with Pitchfork Radio, 
and premiering a handful of episodes at Pitchfork Radio Austin's pop-up from September 12th to the 16th. So tune in to hear talks between Andrew W.K. and Dan Deacon, Proto-Martyr and Parquet Courts, DJ Shadow and Clams Casino, Neon Indian and Chairlift, and Riza and Paul Banks. This episode was engineered and co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi. Till next time. One last time.